And when I point a finger and call something a name, I look at my hand and I've got three fingers pointing back at me. So if I'm pointing out at something, saying, oh, you know, you're thoughtless or whatever, I think, oh, I've got three fingers pointing back at me. When am I thoughtless? When am I whatever I'm calling someone? And that is a really good way of getting underneath that part of us that doesn't want to look and doesn't want to see because it is very truthful. It's point one finger out and you've got three coming back at you. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. You're listening to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host, Karina Machado. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm jumping straight into it today with part two of my conversation with the trailblazing Australian former Olympic pistol shooter, Evanya. If you haven't listened to part one, please scroll down and click on that first so that you grasp the full breadth of Evanya's incredible life story. In this episode, she goes into more depth about her plans to run for federal parliament and how that ties in with her aim to expand her service to humanity. Evanya really wants to bring a depth of heart to her Bidford politics, which I find really, really intriguing. She shares her key mantra, which also ties in so beautifully with her life-changing encounter with the light, and we talk about how it's time for women leaders to fearlessly bring through that energy of the divine feminine that really feels like it's arising at the moment. There's also a very moving story that Evanya shares about healing childhood trauma and how looking after her parents when they had dementia was like being gifted the children that she never had. At the end, Ivanya shares her key takeaway from her immersion in the beautiful light. You won't want to miss that. There's a lot in this hour, so here we go. Enjoy the episode. Oh, one last thing. If you love Spirit Sisters, please rate and review the show. It helps more people find their way to it. Evanya, welcome back to Spirit Sisters, the podcast. It's so lovely to have you on for part two of our fascinating conversation. Oh, thank you, Karina. Thank you for, for honouring my journey with all of this. Well, it's absolutely intriguing and inspiring for all of us. And there are so many of us out there who have a dream inside them, you know, something, a little flame that we've been nurturing since we were small or maybe not so small. But I reckon so many of us can relate to this idea of having something in you. And you have got this dream in you to enter politics. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, oh, gee, it's hard to explain, really. It's not, a, it's not a dream. It's never been a dream of mine to do this. I, I hate politics. I, I'm not interested in it whatsoever. 
and I'm really in, I'm really intrigued that all of a sudden the seat has popped and it's like, oh, what a good idea. I'm going to run for Parliament <laughs> and go for Senate. And I'm thinking, oh, what's this about? So it hasn't actually been a focused dream of mine. It's just sort of, it's, it's just become very natural that this is the next step. I, I need to use all the skills I have. I want to, I said that I'm to God that I'm willing and I wanted to expand my service to humanity. So when I had a prayer about it and said, okay, well, you know, I'm happy to up my, up my game and, and do more service than just little meditations in Maryborough, I thought that it would just expand me to, you know, doing a bit on the line and doing, you know, maybe to Gympie and Bundaberg. <laughs> um, but it was really like, here it is. This, is, this is what you need to do. And it just felt so right. And since then, I've had this passion inside me that I'm like an energizer bunny. I have so much energy and it's stimulating my mind and it's I'm having so much fun with it. it considering it's a deadly serious quest, I'm having a lot of joy and fun with it. And there's a lot of people that are totally enjoying the ride as well. So I'm just taking one step at a time and just being guided by that inner voice. I know this is my sole purpose. I know this is my dharma at the moment. I don't know if I'll actually get in, but it doesn't matter. It's not about the destination. It's about what's happening. And I'm already a better person because of it, Karina. So I'm just really interested to see where it'll take me. And Devanya, when did this little seed begin to come to fruition that, you know, that you began to foster this sole purpose or you began to understand that you had this sole purpose? When, when did that emerge? And was there some sort of trigger for that? Well, there actually was a trigger, and ScoMo said that he was going to indemnify all the pharmaceutical companies so that if, uh, against any adverse reactions to the vaccination, and no one would have compensation. And that, you know, I just thought, how dare you make Australians guinea pigs? And that, I must admit, I sent off emails and all sorts of things, and then I didn't think about it much more. And in the morning... I was just giving myself my daily Reiki and um, in a lovely little state before I meditated. And, and I thought, oh, what have I got going today? And it was like, oh, get up and meditate and check your Facebook and go swimming and there's nothing else. And this other little voice said, and you've got 10 days until you retire. Are you going to do nothing for the next 20 years? And I thought, oh, my goodness, I've got too many skills to do nothing for 20 years or more. And all of a sudden, it just came in, run for, run for federal parliament. And I thought, oh, what a good idea. <laughs> As you do, you know, and, that, and that's what happened. I just thought, oh, okay. And as soon as I said, okay, it was like everything just fell in. And sorry, Vanya, when was that? That was on the 9th of October. <laughs> wow, this is very recent indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. Breaking news on the Spirit Sisters podcast. Wonderful. <laughs> and we were just talking then, just before we pressed record, and you shared that just this week, in the last couple of days, you'd had a little bit of a hiccup with this, and but you immediately resolved it, or Spirit resolved it for you by delivering a new mantra for you. Tell us about what happened. Well... You know, what I've been thinking of and saying on my little Facebook page 
Tasmania for Senate, um, is we know better, it's time to do better because there's so much, you know, we, we just keep putting band-aids on systems that are broken. Yes. And I, I've got solutions. I've, I've lived overseas. I've seen different things that have worked. And I'm thinking, why aren't we doing better? Because we know better. We know, we know that traumatised children have problems when they grow up. Why don't we sort them out when they're young? You know, our elderly, why aren't we doing more for them? And so this is the passion behind, you know, my compassion for those who need need help. So that's been what I've been thinking about. And I came across some information. One of the things that I'm really against is foreign ownership. And I've expanded that, though, to not only foreign ownership, but foreign-owned companies that have taken Australian businesses out of existence. And also the tender system, which allows overseas companies ahead of Australian companies to get contracts. You know, I think these sorts of things aren't right. It's not right. So I do a lot of research. I used to be a fraud investigator and a cop. So, you know, I I love research and a journal. So I love researching stuff and finding out for myself, not just taking memes that come up. And I was looking into the Chinese influence too that's happening in quite a few states, including Queensland. And when I saw the extent of it, I just, you know, my whole passion just dropped into into an abyss and I thought there's no way there's no way I can possibly do anything about this it is so entrenched and so I, I sat quietly I had a, I, and I prayed for, for you know I asked for guidance to to see what this was all about and to, to help me with a perspective of either going ahead or not and I just felt all this beautiful energy come in and I know that quite a few people put me in their prayers at that time as well. And I just got this message from my heart, I guess my soul. It just said, the light of truth shatters all shadows. And I I understood then that if I get in, I don't need to do anything except stand in my truth and right action call people on their games and just hold the light and the light will do the work through me. So it's not of me, it's through me. I'm a willing channel for for good and right action to happen. And I thought, oh, oh well, that's easy. I don't need to do anything. All I need to do is just, you know, continue on and just see where it goes. So that now is, is my mantra of the light of truth shatters all shadows. And it really makes sense to me because there is so much shadow down in Canberra. And I've been saying it needs light down there. And mm. I'm, you know, I'm a light bearer. I'll do the best that I can and connect up with other light bearers and other light workers and maybe we'll make a difference. And I, I just know that light, because I've been in the light. I know mm. how powerful it is. I know that we are all light beings. And it just made a huge amount of sense to me and reconnected me. And once again, just stoked the fires within me to get going. It gives me chills, actually, when I hear you describe the message they gave you. The light of truth shatters all shadows. 
Beautiful. And you know what immediately struck me when you first said it is its resonance with the message that you brought forth spontaneously and much to your shock and surprise and maybe a bit of horror back then when you were in the light and you said, blessed be the people for they are the light. So they connect. Yes. Yes, and you know the even the mudra, Atmanjali mudra, or prayer position of hands. I'm going to use in, in my photos and things like that, which connects the left and the right. And you know that is the what's called a namaskar, which is a gesture mm-hmm. of namaste, which is that you know the light in me honors the light in you. That's is right. The, is the, you know that's the simple message of a namaste. Yes, and we spoke about that towards the end of our com- first conversation, which I, and I find it so beautiful. And actually, I'd like to, I was going to ask this later on, but I think it seems more appropriate to ask about it now. After we hung up, I just kept thinking about those words that came through you, much to your surprise that day. And I wondered, Ivanya, if you had ever again, notwithstanding what you've just told us about this mantra, but if you'd, in the interim, if you'd ever again heard from that voice and if you'd ever again channeled for want of a better term messages of that ilk again well yes in a way i guess in my meditation and i've learned to listen to that that voice within me that knows the truth and it helped me to understand that if i hear that particular voice then i do whatever it tells me to do because i know that it works out and i i trust that voice and whether that voice is is god or my soul or my heart it doesn't matter it all comes from the same place of of an understanding that is far greater than our mind it's so much bigger than what any of us can actually encompass or fathom and as i've said before many times on this show i study near-death experiences and that seems to be a common thread just the ineffability of this the vast of the love and, and of the source. It's just so beautiful. Yes. And, and you know, it, and that's why I guess those circumstances of going into light and everything are so hard to describe because we're sensing it with, with much more than our mind. We're sensing it with our whole, how, our whole body and our whole being and our soul. So our mind tries to put it into words, but honestly, I've had so many experiences that I just cannot put into words, and I, I feel very blessed to have had them because it keeps pushing me onwards and onwards to understanding and opening up about the other side of this physical reality, which we think is true, but it's actually not. It's just a creation of our mind, and we need to understand that the mind needs to be ruled by something other than our physical wants. You touched on the beautiful experiences that you've had and, you know, as you said, you're prolific in terms of having them. And so I do want to ask you about those life-changing spiritual encounters. Let's go back a bit. Let's actually backtrack a little bit to your name change. I'd like to know, yeah, I'd like to know about that. Yeah, because I know a lot happened in that year you turned 42. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, <laughs> let's see. During my meditations, where I was getting really clear instructions about, you know, who to ring, what to do, I, I was really given strength during a really difficult time when I was losing everything, losing house, cars, I'd lost my marriage, 
that wasn't going to happen again. You know, I didn't have any money. I had to find work. I mean, it was just, um, and I had, you know, thousands of dollars of debt left from my husband. And, and you know, they, they even cut off the phone so that I didn't even have any any um, contact with people that I needed to have at that time for support. So I guess the meditations were, and spirit were giving me messages and signs that were helping me. And at one stage, I kept getting this Evanya come to me during meditations. And I thought, oh, that's horrible. You know, that's, <laughs> that's soft and feminine. That's not me. It just kept coming at me. And I, honestly, I didn't like it at all. And it wouldn't stop coming at me. And then on the day that I, I did Reiki level two, which is quite um, a, a little deepening of your own self-healing experience. And, and during that, after the initiations, we were told to go away and have half an hour just thinking about in quietness about about you know whatever was coming to us and all that happened during that time was the word Evanya 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 and I thought shut up you know it's like Evanya Evanya and I'm going oh and I'm like okay okay I'll change my given name and then it stopped and I had peace so I went back and we're sharing you know what's going on and someone's saying oh I saw a spider web and it just looks so beautiful and someone's <laughs> oh I saw a lovely little pebble and oh you know I just saw the beauty in it and then they looked around and they said what about you I said oh, I'm changing my name <laughs> it was a really interesting time because I thought I don't want to change my well I, and someone said do numerology on it so I began to do numerology to work out you know, numbers and names and, and all things like that. And and so I changed the spelling of it that I had in my head to E-V-A-N-I-A. And after after I changed my name, actually, I found it means child of peace. Oh, you and didn't know that before? Yeah. Oh, no, oh. I didn't before I changed it. And um, which is really interesting. And there's also another thing, when I Googled it, it was a, it's a genus of um, stingless wasps. And that's a whole new story too because I used to have an absolute phobia against wasps. So, and I worked my way out of it, out of this fear of wasps. I, I worked out how to get around it and now I love wasps. And it was all my, I, when I saw that on Google, I started to cry. You know, the voice said, this is a reward. This is your reward. And anyway, leading up to changing my name, I, I thought, my goodness, I can't become a new person with all this baggage I've got. So I did even more self-healing. And with the tool of level two, I could do a lot of, you know, past life aggression, all sorts of things. So I did a huge amount of healing in that time. And then I held a ceremony on the 12th of December, which was sort of the same time that I've had, the same date that mm. I had my enlightenment three years before. So I had a little party of people and I cooked them dinner and said, you know, this is what Lynn Marie um means to me, which was my last name, Lynn Marie Uden. And I said, you know, she's she has brought me to this stage and I'm 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 honouring her. I'm not ignoring her, but I'm honouring her by now moving to the next vibration of a name change. So the next morning I I, I couldn't believe I did it because I'm a very modest person, but I dove in naked at dawn and I like I had a I had a huge fear of sharks and you never go in the water at dawn because <laughs> that's their feeding time. So I wandered in, you know, naked into the water as a as a baptism and just said, Okay God, here I am, what do you want me to do? So for me and I saw myself floating, just floating 
on the currents of the water and it was like I was up, you know, thousands of miles looking down on the planet and me just floating in the water. And I finally came out and everyone said, oh, what was it like? I said, oh, it was beautiful. So they all piled in. That was apparently freezing, but I didn't, I was so hyped up. I didn't, I just felt wonderful. And then we had this meditation that was led by my, my Reiki teacher, Faye, who was just an amazing lady. While we were having this meditation to embrace my new name and to bless what I was doing, three of us, and we only found this afterwards, three of us heard angels singing Amazing Grace. It was just the most amazing day. My soul was so happy. And it's been really difficult just having one name. Even my family didn't accept it. And, you know, trying to get a passport and driver's license and all this stuff. Mm. This, and, and I did this before computers really became bigger with two mm. fields. And I've, I've been tempted to change my name back. But the joy in my heart that day, I have to honour it. And I thought, no, it would be easier for me to go back to my old name, but I cannot. Because that would dishonour the joy in my heart that day that I had from accepting this and making vows to to tell the truth as best as I could, to walk in the light as best as I could, to be an example as best that I could and to move higher to my full potential and to be of service to humanity. They were the vows I made that day and I've continued on as best I could, being so, human and failing mm -hmm. and everything, but... You know, that's, that's what I'm about. And, yeah. and every time I hear my name or say my name, it reminds me of the vows I made. And that was 25 years ago. And what strikes me when I hear you tell that story of the, the baptism, I guess it was a baptism of sorts, you know, you immersed yourself in the water naked. What really strikes me is the courage that must have taken and just there's this real sense that you left the old you behind and climbed into this new way of being and just took it on I mean as you said you were a, a modest person I, I'm a modest person like I the last thing I can ever imagine doing is walking into the sea <laughs> naked so I'm getting a sense of how you know that must have just been so momentous for you the whole day it was and you know particularly you know on a Gold Coast beach at dawn having my little group which included a man you know and just and just doing that it was big for me but I just knew I needed to do it and if I was going to do it I needed to do it right and so that, that was it and I don't want to overlook the the meditation either because you just touched on that that afterward three of you comparing notes all realized that you'd had the same experience of hearing a heavenly some heavenly voices singing amazing grace like you know that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's interesting that out of the seven who were there, the three who heard that have been most strong on their spiritual path. So when you say most strong, Ivanya, do you mean that, you know, because it's so hard sometimes sort of walking the line between the spiritual path and just the path of normal life. So by most strong, do you mean people that are most aware of the importance of always nurturing that connection? Yeah, I think I think it's about commitment. Commitment. You know, committed, committed yes. to their own self-healing, committed to doing the right thing, committed to learning and being open 
to spiritual experience. And I think that's what I meant. Well, because we're all walking a spiritual path. We just don't know it, some of us. You know, we're all walking each other home. But I, I probably used the wrong wrong thing. But more committed in their spiritual development. No, I don't think that's the wrong term because it, it does take strength to, to have that commitment. It really does. It takes an inner kind of hardness, which is at odds really with the, the softness that's also required on the spiritual path. So like most things, it's a bit of a paradox. Yes, and I think, I think you know, I, I just think God doesn't need weak soldiers. You've got to be strong to stand up against well, evil, shadows, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, someone asked me the other week, and they said, well, how, how do you know you won't be corrupted by the corrupt system? And I thought about that a little bit as well because I'd already had my answers. But but the other answer is that, which which really resonated more with my heart, is that if I look at it from a higher place, I'm complete. I, I don't need anything. I have everything I want always. And I think to be corrupted, someone has to have something that you want. And no one has anything I want because mm. I'm given everything I need. And that's why I've pledged half my net wage to charities because I, I don't need that huge wage. You know, I just don't need it. I'm happy to do the work. <laughs> I won't say for nothing because I've got to eat. You know, I mean, this is what service is about. Yes, I want my, my needs to be paid for. That's fine. Um, and, you know, it's an exchange of energy. But service, and I think they forget about public service. We are, we are servants to the public. And I'm also going to be pushing for uh, fixed terms as well. I think career politicians have much more chance of being corrupted because they've got more to lose. So I've got nothing to lose. I've got, I've got everything to win. And as I said, I don't need anything. And someone said, well, what, you know, what if you need a vote from them? And I said, my integrity is much more important than any vote. And if someone wants me to vote for something that I don't agree with in order to get a vote for what I want, then that's on their shoulders. If they see what I want is a, is a good thing and they don't go ahead, that's their choice. That's yes. their karma. That's their problem. I will just continue on as best I can and see what I can do. And, you know, <laughs> the older I get, the more I know there's more than one way to skin a cat. And we've touched on this, but obviously your whole life path has been building up to this. And you just shared a, a couple of minutes ago that, you know, you believe that God doesn't want or need weak, well, what did you say, weak soldiers, did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you've got to be strong, strong soldiers. You've got to be strong to hold the light and, and do it. And I've been practicing that a lot. Will I be tempted? Absolutely. Will I fall? I hope not. But I think I have enough discipline and practice and habit and belief to hold my head up and, and, and continue on. And I've certainly got enough friends who are going to kick my butt if I, <laughs> if I fall, you know. <laughs> What I find interesting, and there's so much that's interesting about you and your life story and this conversation, but one thing that, that I'm thinking of right now is that, you know, you have been a police officer, you have been a security expert for the United Nations. Obviously, your career is a pistol shooter at the Olympics, and there's just so much life experience in which you've nurtured that toughness, I guess, that inner strength that now you can call on to be this peace, I guess in a sense a peace ambassador as a politician. 
would, would that be sort of an accurate description for you about peace? And I'm mindful of the meaning of Ivanya, child of peace. Well, yes, I guess so. And, I, you know, I look at it, I, I, I just think it's so funny that, you know, I was so, what would you call it, combative, you know, into into guns and so aggressive when I was younger. And I've, I've finally worked out, you know, there's quite a difference between um, aggression and assertion. And that being assertive doesn't mean that you're stomping on everyone. And certainly I used to play the men's game. You know, I had my business suits and I used to stomp around and bang the table harder than they could and yell at them louder than they did. Um, and then followed up with a, you know, a whip of barbed wire if necessary. But now I know that there's different ways of achieving goals that can be win-win, that are respectful, that are coming from a place of humility instead of ego, and that things can be done in a different way. And I think that's why the women in power and the leadership now needs to change. You know, that divine feminine warrior is is making a rise now. We don't have to play the men's games of name-calling, pointing fingers, being better than, bigger than, you know, louder than. That's the, that's the old way. The new way is negotiation, communication and compassion and respectfulness. And, you know, I, I don't want to name or name-call anyone because I think everyone who's in politics is actually wanting to do some good. I believe that firmly. However, if they haven't been looking at their own stuff and healing those parts of themselves that perhaps need attention, then perhaps what they are doing is coming from a place that is not right action and is not necessarily the right way to go about things because they're projecting onto the world their values which maybe have not been sorted through properly or practised on. And would you say, Ivanya, that the process of looking inward and sorting out our stuff and bringing it to the light and working through it all is is very hard and that few people actually manage it? It is tough. It is tough because, you know, you've got to look at things that you don't want to see. And, you know, my book, When the Student is Ready, Teachings Will Appear, is about that, is that when you're ready, you see it. You've got to be willing first, and a lot of us aren't willing. We're just going along. You know, it's the same as, you know, I see so much at the moment of so much name-calling, as above, so below, as inside, so outside. And I used to think if there is one war in the world, then it means that there is part of me that hates another part of me. And, you know, everyone, Gandhi, all these people talk about, you know, you've got to find peace yourself. You've got to walk the path of peace. Peace isn't a path, it is walking it and being it, being the change that you want to see. And there are so many sages and gurus that sort of do all that, say all that same stuff, which is true. You know, even in the Bible and everything, it's all about finding that peace within your heart. And I think if I look at myself, one of my my best and cheapest tools, which was really hard to handle because it's so truthful and honest, is when I point a finger at something. And when I point a finger and call something a name, I look at my hand and I've got three fingers pointing back at me. So if I'm pointing out at something, saying, oh, you know, you're thoughtless or whatever, I think, oh, I've got three fingers pointing back at me. When am I thoughtless? When am I whatever I'm calling someone? 
And that is a really good way of getting underneath that part of us that doesn't want to look and doesn't want to see because it is very truthful. It's point one finger out and you've got three coming back at you. The cheapest therapy I've ever had, mate. Didn't need to go and see psychologists, you know. And if I look at that on a deeper thing as well as what is the world telling me, you know, we're against all this domestic violence and everything. But when I see the Prime Minister turn his back on a female minister who's talking and ignoring her, what's that telling the general population? You know, when I see the politicians who are not leading by example but doing exactly the same thing, howling other people down, pointing their finger at everybody and arguing in Parliament instead of, you know, stop distracting and get on with it. And if you think of what's going on at the moment in the world, and we talk about narcissists who gaslight women, the world is being gaslit at the moment. There is so much gaslighting going on. And, you know, I just think, you know, what's the small thing happening and have a look and expand it and see what's going on in the world. Yes, that makes utter sense to me. And I've never heard it described so succinctly as you just have with that image of the finger pointing as you point. The very act of pointing that one finger means that three are turned back to you. I've never thought of it that way. The whole saying is, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. And I believe that we can be taught by anything. It's not a teacher. And I think people are too busy looking for a guru, looking for someone, um, put them up on a pedestal and then watch them fall off that, instead of looking at themselves and finding the, the guru within and, and that person, that soul that knows within and connecting. So my second book from that, whenever I write that, will be The Teachings Will Appear. The Teachings as opposed to The Teacher because, as you say, yeah. it's not – necessarily in the form of a person it's life events it's circumstances it's the challenges and the hardships as well if i do from guns to gurus that's going to be more of a, a memoir type book great title oh well that's that's fantastic and at the end of the the episode today i want you to share where people can find your book and um oh, yeah you. and get in touch but I just want to uh, just quickly circle back to a point that you you just said, and it's a theme in, that's enfolded in, in your book, When the Student is Ready, and that is you said how to heal the hardships that we've experienced as a child. And healing is a big theme of your life, of this conversation today, and this is a, a big question, but tell us about what you've learnt about how we do heal those early traumas that you know, can be so absolutely devastating and detrimental to the rest of our lives and to others? Oh, gee, that's, that's a big question, Karina, because, you know, when we come into this planet, we are unfiltered little bundles of joy. You know, if you look at a child, they laugh, they cry, you know, within a, you know they, they snap, you know, snap on crying, snap on laughing, snap on jumping around. You know, they just, they go from one emotion to another. <laughs> really quickly, but then, but then they start to be stomped on. And I think when a child, because they don't have logic and they don't have reasoning, you know, until they're nine to eleven or whatever. So they they're not strategizing, they're not planning. They are just feeling. And if they're told not to feel, they shut things down. And if they're violently dealt with, then that is really affecting them in a deep way. It takes a long, long time to get through. And for me, I guess, you know, when I started thinking about healing, 
I, I went and did, you know, regressions. I was doing, there was a lot of, um, oh, is it Bruce Halpin that used to do, I'm not sure, lots of music, you know, to Rock My Baby and all this sort of stuff in the classical form. And, you know, I'd listen to that yeah. and try to get into my inner child. And, you know, I did all this inner child workshops and inner child stuff, a lot of stuff with John Bradshaw. And um, he's amazing with books. He really opened up the door about shame and um, healing the shame that binds you and things. And I actually went to a workshop of his when he came to Brisbane in about 1993. That was just, I, I did so much work from that. So I did all of those things. But honestly, I think, I think the thing that really helped me was because I always wanted children. And one of the greatest sadnesses is that I, I didn't get to have children. But when mum and dad began to have dementia, and not to be able to look after themselves. During one of my meditations, it was like, here's your children. This is your boy and this is your girl. And that allowed me to think about them differently. And someone said, oh, you're so patient with them. You're so wonderful with them, which I, you know, never used to have much patience or compassion. And I said, well, I'm, I'm wanting to be the parent to them that, I wanted them to be to me. And that's how I got over a lot of stuff because I tried to parent them lovingly and with compassion and patience and tolerance because they, in, with dementia, they were unlearning what they had learned. Mm. Whereas with a child, they learn. So I had to be probably even more patient and even more compassionate and understanding to them because one day they would remember how to do something and the next they couldn't. And it was no good yelling at them and saying, well, what do you mean you've forgotten how to make a cup of tea, you know? It was just, well, well, why don't you sit down I'll make you one? It was the biggest learning for me was to open up my heart and to, to just practice being a really good parent. And that was the way that I really did so much healing. You know, I, I lost a lot of animosity and a lot of anger towards them because I understood where they were coming from. And a lot of my meditations gave me answers about things that I didn't know or, or always had questions with and they, they didn't answer. So meditation gave me a perspective. And, and our life is about perspective. And sometimes you just need to tweak it a little and see it a little bit differently in order to have, a, have an understanding. And from understanding comes compassion. That's a very poignant story. Thank you for sharing it about your parents. What a beautiful way to look at it. The other thing that I think of as you tell that story is that that's an example of what you were saying earlier about when the student is ready. You received this beautiful teaching through a situation which for, for so many, and I guess it is for anyone, challenging. You're two parents elderly with dementia and you're the carer. Yes. And, I, and also, you know, I mean, my spiritual lantern helped me through that, but at the same time, I didn't realise how much stress I was going to yes. while I was going through it until they were no longer here. Did I mention to you, I think in the last one, about when I got a message through someone that they wanted to thank me for looking after them and they understood now where I was coming from, whereas in life they didn't, and that they gave me their blessings. And that too was, you know, that healed a lot of little bits that still remained. 
Evanya, you mentioned synchronicity being a theme of your book as well. And I know that you've had some very powerful experiences with synchronicity and just the miraculous nature of these unlikely events. Could you share a story or two with us about a moment of synchronicity that stayed with you? I've got so many, I've forgotten all of them. <laughs> you know, and it's like a little miracle. And I think yeah. you know, a miracle is, is something that comes to us from outside our experience or our anticipation or expectations. And we go, oh, oh, that's a bit of a miracle. So I think, you know, I don't believe in, well, if you look at co-incident, then coincidence does work. But it's basically synchronicity where, you know, oh, the other day someone bought my book and I had to go to the post office and I've been thinking about this person for ages. He was elderly and I haven't seen him around and haven't been able to contact him. And I've been thinking about him. So I go in at this particular time to post my book. And I, like, I don't go to the post office ever, but I had to go there. And he's the only other person in the post office posting a letter. So we had a, you know, we had a little chat. That happens on a regular basis when I'm thinking about somebody and I'm crossing the street and all of a sudden they're in the car next, you know, there in the car. Oh, I was in Sydney once and I, I used to go and see this Native American healer called Medicine Crow. Really good healings I got from him. I remember this time I was going oh, somewhere on a weekend trip and I was living in Sydney. And do you know what Parramatta Road's like? Yes. And I was coming out near Burwood and everything was standing still. Like all the cars going into Sydney, all the cars coming out of Sydney, they were all standing still. So I, I managed to come out and I just made my way to the inside lane because I had to go and turn right at the next lights. And and I'm just sitting there like for 10 minutes and I, I wind down the window to get some fresh air and I look across and there's Madison Crow <laughs> in the next car going the opposite direction and we had a 10-minute talk. <laughs> Out of all the thousands of cars that were stuck and in standstill, there he was, right there, and we had a really good chat. And, I mean, these are the sorts of things that, you know, all of those incidents we think where, oh, I was just thinking about someone and they rang, or, oh, I was just thinking about somebody and I run into them down the street. Oh, do you, are you aware of how much work has to be put in so that we go at exactly that right second yeah. to get to where we need to get to. They are so, little miracles, as you say, yeah. They are, yeah. So, I mean, this happens all the time and, you know, people who know people and I've had this even on this journey as well, you know, with um, with all sorts of things. And, you know, I am sure that our, our meeting several years ago, mm. um, you know, is part and parcel of it all as well. So that now... I thank you for your assistance that you're giving me. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. I think it, it was Wayne Dyer who, towards the end of his life, wrote a memoir, uh, I can see clearly now, looking back on how every little piece of his life fell into place to create the outcome of his career as a you know world-famous writer and a self-help guru, for want of a better term. Yeah. I love Wayne Dyer. He, he was such a beautiful soul. Uh, Ivania, I want to ask you about, now, I know that you have had a recent run-in with death, and I know, speaking of little miracles, well, you're a big miracle, and you refer to yourself as a, a walking miracle after what happened. 
Could you give us an overview of what, what it was and the lessons that unfolded for you? Okay, well, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can say. Back in 2016, at the end of the year, there were lunar eclipses, solar eclipses. I had also at the same time, I, I did a, a workshop with my Reiki master doing a thing called Budo, and, which is a really a, a disciplined form of meditation and, and healing. And, and I had also at the same time was my anniversary for being a Reiki master, also the anniversary for my spiritual experience and for some reason I decided to do what's called the Ho'oponopono which is a Hawaiian healing system. I love Ho'oponopono, I love it. Well I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I asked to get rid of all the anger I was holding in my body from my past experiences and I wanted to release it. So Christmas Day I ended up in hospital. And they thought that it was poisoned um, oysters, but what it was, they eventually found, was that my pancreas basically blew up. And it took a while to work out what was going on, which was a a little gallstone, which represents anger, came Mm. out of my gallbladder and into my pancreas, and it blocked the pancreatic duct. uh, duct. So basically it blew up into a pseudocyst. I had this pseudocyst, which is like a big blister. It took them a while to work out what was going on and that basically my pancreas was eating itself. When they found that out, and my, they couldn't work out why my temperature was so high all the time, they couldn't get it down. And um, they said, we need to work out what's going on and we're not going to let you out until we find out why you've got that temperature. So anyway, at about 10 o'clock one night, one of the doctors came in. He said, look, we finally worked it out. He said, your pancreas is eating itself. So that's why we're putting you on IV antibiotics. He said, we really need to stop it as quick as we can. And off he went. And I'm laying there thinking, oh, 10 o'clock at night, there's no one. And I thought of a a friend of mine who's a a Reiki master over in Cairo. And I knew that Steve would be there that time of night. So I, I messaged him and I said, get all your students, get all your masters, get everyone. I said, we've worked out what it is. Can they send to stop my pancreas eating itself? And almost immediately I felt this light and I went into this absolutely beautiful experience where I understood about my pancreas and how it was talking to me and how I pancreas is about sweetness and joy in life and I really needed to understand about finding joy in life and all of this. I also knew that the pancreas had stopped eating itself from that moment and in the morning the doctors all came in and I said, okay, I said, I shouldn't have a temperature. I said, it should be down and I'm, I'm you know, I'll be out by Friday and they said, oh, no, 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 you'll be here for another two weeks. I said, no, no, I said, my temperature's gone and you said, 48 hours without a temperature. So I took the temperature and sure enough, the temperature was down. Then I had, they had to put a stent in to get rid of the pseudocyst, which was about 800 milliliters of water at that stage, or of gunk and juice and pancreas and enzymes and goodness knows what, insulin, you name it. So they put a stent in and I, I, think, I think that may have infected my system because by August I'd lost 10, 10 more kilos I lost 22 kilos altogether and I couldn't eat. I couldn't even swallow a spoonful of water. And so I was on a drip for six weeks. I was just, you know, and people said, oh, you were grey when I came in and saw you. And others, oh, you were green, you were white, you were pink, you were purple, you were blue, you know, all these different colours. 
And there was a lot of doctors umming and ahhing. They didn't know what was going on. And finally they sent me down to Brisbane, but I couldn't see anyone there because the boss wasn't in until another week. And they said, look, we need the beds. You're not, you're not jaundiced. You're not in pain. You're eating your food now, so go home. When the doctor saw all my stuff and he said, um, and I went down to see him, that's why about two weeks later, he looked at it and he said, well, you need to come and see me urgently. He said, we've done the MRI and everything, and he said, you've got so much infection in there. He said, it's all necrotic tissue. And he said, you know, the most I can say is go home and, and satin up, and I hope everything's fine until then. He said, we need to go in in the new year. He said, you need to be strong enough for us to go in and clean you out. So... I had friends who took me home and I was with them. I couldn't even walk to the toilet. I was so weak. I, I, you know, I was just really bad. And I didn't know how bad I was because I was looking for all the good things like, oh, today I can breathe a little bit easier. Oh, oh today I don't have pneumonia. Oh, today I can walk 10 steps without collapsing. Oh, today I stood in the bathroom under the shower, you know, Oh, oh, today they took some of my drips out. All of this sort of stuff. I was looking at the positive and not how bad I was. And it was only afterwards that I understood that I was really close to death. Oh. I've only got a third of my pancreas now. And so I'm on medication. I'm on insulin and enzymes for the rest of my life. until, Unless and until I can grow the rest of my pancreas. So I'm very thankful for, for medications and everything. But when I went back to the doctor and I had the MRI, he looked at me and he said, I can't believe it. He said, you look fabulous. And I said, yes, thank you. He said, I can't believe it. He said, there's not one skerrick of infection in your system. He said, it's, he said you, everything's wonderful. What do you attribute that to? Reiki, prayers. I, I know that I was in a lot of prayer groups around the world from friends. Um, that's why I love Facebook so much. I was in a lot of fire ceremonies, singing ceremonies from native cultures and, you know, healers who were he who were sending me their healing and their thoughts. Um, Reiki, I was giving myself Reiki every day. I was doing yoga breathing. I was doing um, mantras. I was doing all sorts of practices. In my mind, I had so much time to meditate and to, and to tell my body to heal itself and all of that. I used every tool I could think of and I believe that all... All helped. And coming back to what I guess triggered the experience, your prayer to be released for your body to release all that anger. Ivanya, do you feel that your illness was a direct result of that request and, and that that is actually what happened? Yes, I do, because I really do believe that we create our world. While, also, while I was having that epiphany in there, I, I understood too that probably 30 years before, when I was a police officer, they used to send the women out, the women and men, to any domestic violence because they knew that the women were able to calm down situations a bit better. And I walked into the situation where a guy had a loaded shotgun and he pointed it at my stomach. And we couldn't do anything. My partner was behind me and I was just standing there and I, I mean, I had no training for it. So it took me about three hours to talk him down. Meanwhile, that loaded shotgun was at my stomach, at my pancreas for all that time. Mm. I believe the trauma of that also affected my ability to have sweetness and joy in my life and, and that unrecognised trauma attributed to that mm. whole experience as mm. well. 
gosh, that's absolutely terrifying. And we could do a whole separate episode, obviously, on the trauma, you know, that police officers experience and the post-traumatic stress disorder, that the proliferation of that among that among police that's just terrifying Ivanya what you experienced for three hours that day of course that would have had such an effect it it did and you know I mean you know I I was also traumatized as it was from a childhood where I was sexually abused and stuff so you know all of this on top of each other I really have a compassion for all of our service people but through my own experience and ways of helping myself because I was suicidally depressed you know, when I was in um, in those early, probably just after that, actually, all sorts of things happened. So I was suicidally depressed, and I've had um, depression for a long time too, which I, which meditation and healing and all of this sort of stuff helped me to understand and look at. And I really believe that there's not enough being done for all of our service personnel, our police, our army, our um, paramedics, our ambulance people, our firefighters, all of these people, yeah, and funeral directors, you name it, all of mm. these people in these situations. Now, doctors, you know, nurses, there's there's not enough being done. There's enough. There's a lot of talk, but there's nothing being done about it. And we know better, and that's where we can do better because there are things that are being that have been trialled around the world that work that help these people to unlock the trauma and to get on with their lives. You know, there's help that can be given. And we just are not doing it. And our money is being misspent. I would be a big pusher to help our our service personnel to look after their mental health. We know we can do it. That sounds like such an important cause. And coming back to your sense of life purpose to to go into politics, well, it seems like it's a no-brainer for you to address this you know gaping hole in in the way we look after these you know important community members and public servants it is love and you know and i mean even our young children you know why do we keep sending them back to abusive families you know i worked with homeless and abused kids at one stage and we'd get them you know to a pretty good spot and then all of a sudden the parent would come in again and we'd have to start over again you know yeah the trauma that these kids have and honestly i i honestly feel personally that if, if someone abuses the, their child, then they have also lost the right to be a parent. And and we need to look after our traumatised children because mm-hmm. they're the ones who are going to be our future. Mm-hmm. We're not doing enough for them. Well, I wish you all the best in that campaign or whatever it is that we want to call it. You shared with us that you had experiences being traumatised in your childhood, so you're very well placed to help these children and to hopefully make a big difference there, Ivanya. And I realised that all these experiences that I've had have brought me exactly to this, where if someone's waffling on in Parliament about something, I can say, hey, that's a load of garbage, because I've been there, done that, Mm. I've had to look after that, or I volunteered at aged care, you know, I've seen it in action, what about you, what do you know? You know, all of these sorts of things. I've had so much experience across so many things that... It's got to be there for a reason. Definitely. You know? And this is the Spirit Sisters podcast, so I want to touch briefly because we are nearing the end of our time together, just on something that you said to me uh, in one of our previous conversations, Ivanya. You said that to you, connecting with women is extremely important and this is something that you want to take on when you're 
in your office or in politics. Tell us about that, your sense of, this sense of importance about connecting with women. Women, women lead differently and women, we all know women think differently. And, you know, it's, it's, um, and I used to play the male game to get what I wanted and now I know that there's a different way as I've gotten older. And I think older women, are, you know, I, I wrote a poem about it actually, you know, when women ruled the world. It's about, you know, as soon as we've got saggy breasts or um, wrinkles on our faces, we're basically ignored and thrown on the, on the trash heap. And women have got so much heart. You know, how many single women in the world are there that have fought against everything to bring up their children without support. Yes. And, you know, women do it. We just get on and do it. <laughs> and we don't complain about it. We don't pat ourselves on the back or big note ourselves. We just do it. And and that's why I think I'm not a politician. I'm a doer. Just mm. get me in there and show me something and I'll roll my sleeves up and I'll just do it until I can get it sorted out or whatever. And women do that. And I think I think it's time that we supported each other and, and not brought each other down. That includes in all sorts of things, fashion and, and, and weight and stuff like that. You know, stop dragging other women down. We have been taught by men to do that. If we are thinking about our heart and our spirit and our soul, women support other women and we actually really need to do that and I think I'm seeing a lot of you know these meditation classes and healing classes it's mainly all women um retreats a lot of women in it there's you know there's so many women doing this stuff now when I go swimming every morning you know there's more women there than men they're doing it for themselves they're looking after themselves sisters are doing it for themselves honestly the growth of red tanks and, you know, honouring women in all their forms and particularly, you know, our natural way of being as well. You know, that's part of it too. I'm getting more help from women and more encouragement from women than I am from men. And a lot of men, it's like as soon as I, I tell them what I'm doing, oh, have you done this or have you done that? Oh, look, I can help you. But I, I can't help but feel that there's something on the end of it for them. Whereas women will just say, oh, good on you. Ah, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, what can I do to help? You want me to tell a few of my friends? You know, there's a totally different way of perceiving the world. You know, I really think that this change in leadership now, where I look at, I look at the Senate and of 76 positions, 39 are women. How good is that, you know? That's, but we need yeah. more. It needs, you know, but a lot of them are still playing the men's game. So the imbalance so need, is being addressed, but it's a work in yeah. progress, yeah. Yeah, so we need women standing in their feminine power, not in their masculine power, but in their feminine power. We wish you all the very best with this, <laughs> Ivania. Certainly politics could do with someone like you, that's for sure. Before we end today, I um, would like to just circle back to your experience with the light that happened in 1992. You, yes. you refer to it as a full life experience as opposed to a near-death experience, which it, it shares a lot of aspects in common with a near-death experience. But you call it a full life experience. Tell us about why. Why you call it that? <laughs> Only because I think that's what we actually are, is, is life. And, and that is the experience of what life is all about and the sacredness of life 
And, you know, I wasn't near death and uh, I had this amazing experience. And I think people tend to think, oh, near-death experience is, is, you know, the be-all and end-all, but it's not. Living life fully, I think, is. Mm. And and a near-death experience can help us to understand and to appreciate our life. Where I went and what I was and all of what it was is that's what we are. That's where we've come from and that's where we're going to. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we are working so hard to go back to the vibration of love and unconditional love and light and safety and, you know, that to me is home. It's home and that's so poignant and it's a message that I've heard before. But what's what you're, what I'm also hearing from you is that while that's home and it's important to to try and return to that vibration, it's not necessarily about leaving your body but it's about bringing that vibration to your life today walking two feet on the earth yes yes and as we and you know i'm i'm very much a believer in because i've been lost at some time and then a couple of years later i found myself exactly at that same place again and I've actually walked in parliament i i was a speaker there a major speaker back in the 90s and you know, I, I think as we walk, whatever vibration we are, we're walking into the earth. And I think I think the Aboriginals understood this, of all the native cultures, that we are walking our belief into the earth. Australia has had that belief walked into it. As we hold the light, I, I once had a vision where I saw us all as acupuncture needles. And as we stand there, connected to the light above, they're putting light through us and into the earth as well. That full connection mm. of, of light. Yes, and be the people for they are the light. If you had to sum up the main message of your experience with the light that day, what, did, what was it? To understand our life purpose is to walk that unconditional love into third dimension is to bring unconditional love of spirit into third dimension and physical form. That's a beautiful message to uh, leave our conversation with today and to leave our audience with today, Ivanya. It's just been an absolute joy to speak with you, so much wisdom to share, such a lovely sense of humour, such a big heart. Thank you. Thank you for coming on Spirit Sisters, the podcast today. Oh, Karina, thank you for so, so much for your wonderful questions too. But a lot of this stuff I've never talked about. And so, as I said, you honour me and my journey and everything I've gone through by having me on your on your lovely podcast. Oh, oh thank so, you. So, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ivanya. Now, just before we go, if people would like to get in touch with you, if people would like to follow your Ivanya for Senate Facebook page, is that a public page? Oh, I, I, I have the idea. I've got it as friends of friends. And I need to I, – I was actually going to change it today to a public page, so it will be. Okay. And everyone can find me under Ivanya Ev on Facebook. Ivanya um, Ev, E-V. Yeah, because yep. they didn't let me just do one name. Uh-huh. So you should be able to, be able to find me. Um. And I've got the um, uh, au is my book site and, I can, I, and people can come through that as well. That's fantastic. And I'll put that link 
those links in the show notes as well. And yes, thank you again, Ivanya. You are someone who is walking your belief into the earth and we need more, more way showers like you holding the spiritual lantern. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Karina. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.